after two long weeks, welcome back to Tay Learning. I'm Olivia. I'm Danny, and we're your co-hosts. So today is kind of a bittersweet day for us because we are wrapping up our first mini series on our podcast. I'm sad about it, but I'm also happy because this is a milestone and I love milestones. Same. <laughs> what song are we covering today? So we are covering Mirror Bomb. This is our final installment in the remaining relevant series where we discuss Taylor's songs in which she expresses her anxiety regarding fame. This song, Mirror Ball, is so special and so beautiful. And it came out on Folklore, which we just passed the two-year anniversary of Folklore. Happy anniversary. <laughs> I know. It's such a gem. It's our baby because that was the album that like freaking flew Olivia into super fandom yep. of Taylor Swift. Sure and <laughs> for me, it was the album where I was like, okay, maybe it's time that I start admitting more publicly how much I love Taylor Swift. <laughs> right. I can't believe it was two years ago. I can't either. I am still shook that it's been that long. And at the same time, yeah. I feel like I've known this album forever. It did come out on July 24th, 2020. And the sixth track on that album is Mirable. And that is the song we're going to be talking about today. And while there are a lot of really gorgeous songs on this album that allude to fame, relevancy, and anxiety in general, this song really captures what it feels like I imagine what it feels like to be a star and trying to stay relevant and yes you know, trying to stay likable there are a lot of again other songs on the album that have to do with other things like mad woman has to do with mm -hmm. what happened with her master's controversy and that was you know pretty deep and there's nothing like a mad woman what a shame she went there's songs that just in general are beautiful and devastating, like My Tears Ricochet. Mirrorball, though, it was like this confession, I guess, in the middle of this album. Yes. And I think it's kind of interesting. This doesn't have to do with her anxiety necessarily, but from the folklore Long Pong Studios, the Disney Plus special, whatever the title is officially. <laughs> she kind of talks in between each performance of a song. And this one, she got the idea from just a like a snippet of a dance floor in her mind. So she said, sometimes when I'm writing to an instrumental track, I'll push play and immediately see a scene set. And this is one of those cases where I saw a lonely disco ball, twinkling lights, neon signs, people drinking beer by the bar, a couple of stragglers on the dance floor, just sort of a sad, moonlit, lonely experience in the middle of a town you've never been. I can't, I can't <laughs> even try to picture putting myself into Taylor Swift's brain because, you know, we all get imagery and we imagine things in our head mm -hmm. all the time. I can't imagine looking at something and being like, oh yeah. I'm going to make a beautiful song out of this That's image it. that I see That's in my head. <laughs> Usually I see something in my head and I'm just like, oh God, mm, the intrusive thought took over again. Ooh. Cringe. <laughs> exactly. But I think- Well, you know what Taylor Swift says, we need to embrace cringe. She did say that. And I hate to be the one to tell her that that line in and of itself was it's cringe. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It was, it was, I appreciated it only because it came from her lips. Yep. <laughs> if anybody else had said it, I would have been like, Ugh, immediately no. <laughs> 
as always, probably the best way to break this song down is line by line. She opens the song with, I want you to know I'm a mirror ball. I'll show you every version of yourself tonight. So I think here's the important part to break down the symbolism of I'm a mirror ball, the whole namesake of the song. So a mirror ball, you know, is a sphere. It's made up of tiny individual mirrors. It's kept under a a spotlight so that it will sparkle. And I think this is a really interesting metaphor for being a celebrity. Yeah, you wanna elaborate on that? So Taylor has spoken before about always trying to find new facets of herself that are new and shiny to society. I think that's really shows in the line, I'll show you every version of yourself tonight. So as she's shining under the spotlight, the spotlight of fame, the spotlight of the literal dance floor in the metaphor, I I think it's just a really good example of what it's like to be a celebrity and only shine when the light is shining directly on you. For for a long time when she was singing, the this is not really related, but I think it's funny. Um, When I saw that the title was Mirrorball and I heard Mirrorball, I was like, does she mean a disco ball? And that's what I found out that like- (laughs) That's how I found out that it actually genuinely had another name and that made me feel stupid. I wonder if that's like a regional thing on what you call it. Um, Maybe. She spends a lot of time in the UK, so I wonder. She did. She spent a lot of time in the UK. Maybe that's what, I don't, I have no idea. Maybe. Um, But I was trying to imagine what exactly she meant by that. But you're right. She has changed so, what to us looks like effortlessly and flawlessly, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure has not been without a ton of effort to make sure that she turns into this different version of herself consistently so that she stays interesting in the media. So, and she's dressed in mirror ball esque outfits a couple of times, famously the Met Gala in 2016. I love that outfit. If you have not seen that one, you need to look it up. It's beautiful. Yeah. During her Bleachella era. And then (laughs) the 2018 American music awards where she became the most awarded female artist in AMA history. And she, I love that mirror. That's literally a disco ball outfit. It was literally continuing on with the, I'll show you every version of yourself tonight. I think that line is also especially interesting because, you know, you see your own reflection in mirrors. And since she's a mirror ball, she's literally showing you what she thinks that you want to see from her, which is you want to see yourself and be able to relate which I guess is kind of interesting. That's true. And also something about mirror balls is that they don't create their own light. They only Mm -hmm. reflect the light that is given to them. So in some ways, this almost feels like a big admission of Taylor is saying almost, I've never truly been myself. I have been whatever it is, is shown on me. Exactly. So yeah, I think it's important to break down the mirror ball metaphor because it comes up over and over and over again in this song. <laughs> yeah, it's not very often that she jumps into the title of the song in like the first stanza. Yeah. So I remember hearing that and being like, oh, we're going right in. There's yep. <laughs> not a whole lot of ambiguity about what this song is about. And she continues on. She says, I'll get you out on the floor, shimmering beautiful. And when I break, it's in a million pieces. So if she falls from she- the spotlight, she's going to shatter. Yeah, I get you out on the floor has to be her talking about like her upbeat songs, right? Like that has to be her maybe talking about how she gets you out on the floor dancing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's the point of her career. And then, you know, she talks a lot in her metaphors about being completely broken and being unable to be put back together. Mm -hmm. Uh, She did it in all too well. I'm a crumpled up piece of paper lying here. I remember it all. 
She yeah. did it in the the Archer, which I know that this is one of her most contested lyrics, but she does sing about Humpty Dumpty when all the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put me together again. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody hates that line because she's like why did she drop a nursery rhyme in the middle of this beautiful song <laughs> but yeah she talks about that a lot about um breaking to a point where you can't be put back together exactly. and also numeric exaggeration death by a thousand cuts it's death by a thousand cuts for you i would ruin myself a million little times in illicit affairs yeah. For you, I would ruin myself a million little times. In a million pieces. And when I pieces. break it in a million, yeah. million pieces. It's so interesting. I mean, I guess literally in the metaphor, like if we're talking about the actual symbolism itself, she's a mirror ball hanging from the ceiling. And if she falls, she will literally shatter into a million pieces when she falls because that's the nature of glass. And that mirrors her time mm-hmm. in the spotlight as a celebrity, um, because when she eventually falls from the spotlight, it's going to hurt her. And I, I don't think that she knows how she's going to fully recover from that. That's if she ever does fall, I guess. But that's understandable that the fear would be if you burn that bright, then you're going to explode. And yeah. yeah. So then we go into the chorus, right? Yes. So it goes into Hush. When no one is around, my dear, you'll find me on my tallest tiptoes, spinning in my highest heels, love, shining just for you. I feel like this can be interpreted two ways. I know that we had um, a discussion about this during Nothing New, about a romantic way and a fame aspect way. This chorus, I can see both of those things. So the romantic aspect, she's a mirror ball reflecting what others want to see from her, but when she's alone with him, presumably Joe I mean come on it's Joe she's only shining for him or in the fame aspect it could kind of mean even when she's alone she's still trying her hardest to shine for society or even just her fandom so when she was isolated in quarantine she was still writing music shining just for her fans I wonder sometimes when people are really really famous like Taylor Swift level famous if when they are alone or with somebody who personally knows them, if it is the mm-hmm. only time they ever genuinely feel like they are themselves. Probably. But it's they still have like, to find people that they can really trust. I mean, referencing back to the lucky one of how can you trust that the person that you trust is someone that is trustworthy? <laughs> exactly. There's no way to know for sure. Um, but, you know, yeah. when no one is around, my dear, you'll find me on my tallest tiptoes. Mm-hmm. very cute that's a really lovely image I wonder if she thought about that too when she thought about like the discotheque or whatever with the ball hanging from yeah. the ceiling if she thought about what it would be like to just be in there having one dance with the person that she loves probably um, she really paints a beautiful like, image <laughs> she does she's really great at that this is a small detail but she loves the lead singer Chris Caraba of Dashboard Confessional and mm-hmm. in the song Stolen which is my favorite dashboard confessional song uh (laughs) the line says i watch you spin around in your highest heels so i wonder if that was 
Yeah, it sounds so similar. (laughs) Drawn inspiration, perhaps. But that's a small detail, but just throwing that out there for all of the dashboard confessional fans that listen to a Taylor Swift podcast. (laughs) We see you out there. (laughs) Also, another note in Begin Again from Red, she sings, he didn't like it when I wore high heels, but I do. He didn't like it when I wore high heels, but I do. So and now I she's would, just wearing high heels. Now she's just wearing high time. heels. She doesn't care what a guy thinks. I don't know nope. how tall Joe Alwyn is, but I know that she's tall. Joe Alwyn is six one. She's taller than five nine for sure. Is she? I think she's five ten. She's five eleven. <laughs> you know what though like good on him if he's cool with her wearing those tall te- tall heels what? Joe Jonas is short he's five seven he's five seven dude and Sophie Turner who he's married to is a tall girly yes wow I've seen that in like pictures and wow. videos and stuff but I didn't really think yeah. much about it Woo. see as wow. somebody who's five foot one I've never really given a whole lot of thought to being taller than my partner because I never have been right it's 11 i'm genuinely afraid of if i ever met taylor swift because like just facing (laughs) one another i would be like right at her boobs like hello oh sorry you're up there (laughs) so sorry (laughs) i'm embarrassed okay Uh, all right anyway the course continues (laughs) the course continues (laughs) she continues on (laughs) with hush i know they said the end is near but i'm still on my tallest tiptoes spinning in my highest heels love shining just for you so obviously there's some repetition here but the difference is i know they said the end is near do we think this is her career do we think this is a reference to quarantine her relationship you know i think that she is very very good at lyrics having multiple meanings I think that's one of the things that has always made her songwriting so exponentially special Mm -hmm. it wouldn't surprise me at all if she was talking on a larger scale about something more sad like you know the metaphorical end of the world it was released during a pandemic it's it's very um Bo Burnham saying you say the ocean's rising like I give a shit you say the world is ending honey it already did Say the ocean's rising like I give a shit. You say the whole world's ending, honey, it already did. Mm-hmm. Almost. I yeah. don't think it's her relationship because I don't think yeah. that that would have been it. But I mean, especially with the I know lines. they said the end is near. I mean, everyone doesn't expect her to have a successful long-term relationship. That's a great point. Yeah, actually. Mm-hmm. Really good point. But also you know, her career. Uh, She's yeah. the entire, the entire probably, probably what inspired this initially was her fear of her yeah. career ending because I like the career thing. route best personally. <laughs> I feel like it kind of ties back to how in her Miss Americana documentary, she talked about how she believes her or believed at the time that her lover album would be one of her last chances at success because women in music are usually disregarded by the time they're 30. Mm-hmm. In an elephant graveyard. So I think that that's probably the most likely route, but yeah. I mean, it could also be, they know they said the end is near with the relationship because, you know, she's known in the media for some reason as being this man eater. Like, you know, we yeah. talked about with our Harry Styles episode, she's for a long time visually represented that way. And of course, also, 
the metaphorical end of the world since this was the middle of a pandemic. Exactly. She literally wrote it in quarantine. <laughs> yeah. But she continues on with, I want you to know I'm a mirror ball. I can change everything about me to fit in. So she's still driving home that metaphor of being a mirror ball, reflecting whatever she believes the world wants to see from her. And we know that she did this for years in the beginning of her career. She maintained that naive sweet girl image, actively avoided talking about politics or sounding angry or too bold uh, because she believed the only thing the world wanted from her was a sweet persona in country music. Another so thought she's changing here, everything about her. In lyrical parallels, um, blank space, find out what you want, be that girl for a month. Find out what you want, be that girl for a month. Mm-hmm. Also, this one is, uh, but John Mayer released Paper Doll in 2013 yep. and said, you're like 22 girls in one and none of them know what they're running from. You're like 22 girls in one. And none of them know what they're running from. Which 22, mm -hmm. obviously a reference to 22 by Taylor Swift. Yeah, and Paper Doll is a... Uh, famously known to be about Taylor Swift. Interesting. Yeah. And I mean, he dated her at a time in her life where she probably did have a lot of personas for different things. Who she was in private was not who she was on stage or who she was in an interview, who she was interacting with fans, probably. I think she was going through a time where she was trying to find herself and figure out who she actually was. Well, we'll dive into John Mayer more soon, unfortunately. That's going to have its own muses <laughs> episode, but you knew it was gonna. You mm. knew it was gonna. <laughs> So then she continues with, you are not like the regulars, the masquerade revelers, drunk as they watch my shattered edges glisten. I imagine this part to be about anyone who truly knows her and cares about her. Um, so they're not like the regulars, which is like most of society. The masquerade revelers part, I personally had to look up what a reveler was because Taylor Swift uses words that I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> So according to Oxford Dictionary, for those of you who need to know what it means, like I did, a reveler is a person who is enjoying themselves in a lively and noisy way. So drunk as they watch my shattered edges glisten. So masquerade, I feel like kind of hints at the idea that these people are hiding their true selves. A quote from the Folklore Long Pond studio session, where she was kind of explaining the meaning of the song, she says, you have to be different versions of yourself with different people, different versions at work, different versions around friends, different versions of yourself around different friends, different versions of yourself around family. Everyone has to be duplicitous or feels that they have to in some way be duplicitous. And that's part of the human experience, but it's also exhausting. And you kind of learn that every one of us has the ability to become a shapeshifter. What does that do to us? I don't mm. understand what happens. In the, I know we're going to say this every single episode forever, but I just, I don't understand how her brain works. Like but you're right, the masquerade revelers, like that has so much behind the two words. <laughs> it does. And, you know, a lot of people for some reason celebrate when she has failures. I don't know what it mm. is. Maybe it's misogyny. Maybe it's yeah. jealousy. It could be a ton of things rolled into one, <clears throat> but yeah, people, people celebrate when she fails for some reason. And yeah. it's, kind of messed up yeah but, but and I mean Joe she doesn't. right exactly she expresses that in the drunk as they watch my shattered edges glisten line I mean I feel like there's a lot to unpack with just that one line alone there's the metaphor side those who are watching drunk implying that they are enjoying themselves they're the masquerade revelers 
the word shatter has a negative connotation to it. So her shattered edges, kind of implying that something bad happened to create those edges. Glisten has a positive connotation. So those who are watching her and being entertained by her are actually entertained by watching her go through her struggles. And she does touch on that in her little speech in the Long Pond Studio session, again, calling back to it. She says, we have mirror balls in the middle of the dance floor because they reflect light. They are broken a million times and that's what makes them so shiny. We have people like that in society too. They hang there and every time they break, it entertains us. And when you shine a light on them, it's this glittering, fantastic thing. But then a lot of the time when the spotlight isn't on them, they're just still there on a pedestal and nobody watching them do the broken thing. But when the light's off, be okay. It was a metaphor for celebrities. I feel like, a lot of this feeling of people celebrating her failures and then saying you're not like the regulars, which could be about a lot of people. But if it were about Mm -hmm. like Joe, for example, that all is wrapped up in a line from delicate. My reputation's never been worse. So you must like me for me. Yeah. Listen for the best. My reputation's never been worse. So you must like me for me. I find comfort knowing how much comfort she found in Joe. <laughs> yes, it's pretty private. When, whenever mm-hmm. pictures leak on the rare occasion that they do, it's like everywhere because there's only like three of them that get snapped. Yep. <laughs> but she continues um, on with the chorus again with hush. When no one is around, my dear, you'll find me on my tallest tiptoes, spinning in my highest heels, love, shining just for you. Hush, I know they said the end is near but I'm still on my tallest tiptoes, spinning in my highest heels, love, shining just for you. Then she goes into the bridge and she leads with, and they called off the circus, burned the disco down when they sent home the horses and the rodeo clowns. I'm still on that tightrope. I'm still trying everything to get you laughing at me. So now she's using a circus metaphor. A lot of the time, the point of the entertainment at a circus is to get the crowd to laugh. So if you're a clown and the crowd is laughing, you know that your performance was successful. So when she's saying in her line, I'm still trying everything to get you laughing at me. And she talks about how it burned the disco down. So that takes the metaphor from being about her being a mirror ball to just people laughing at her. So it changes from her reflecting what people see on her and turns Mm -hmm. that directly into, it doesn't matter what you see in her because the most important thing to see in her is something that you can either relate to or laugh at. Yeah. And the called off the circus, burn the disco down, sent on the horses and the rodeo clowns. Taylor's talked before about how she wrote this song right after she found out that her lover shows were indefinitely canceled during COVID. So these lines represent that for her. And I feel like that also represents quarantine on a larger scale when everything got shut down. She says the line, I'm still on that tightrope. I'm still trying everything to get you laughing at me. Um, a quote from her from Long Pond Studios was, I realize here I am writing all this music, still trying, and I know I have an excuse to sit back and not do something, referring to the beginning of quarantine, but I'm not, and I don't know why that is. I don't think that her brain can stop. That would probably be why that is. She also um, wrote it with Jack Antonoff, who we Mm -hmm. know is a longtime collaborator in her own words. He's musical family. He described the writing process of writing Mirrorball to that of Out of the Woods. So I imagine in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways, it was like he came to her with, hey, this is kind of what this song might sound like. And she's like, oh, excellent. I have (laughs) the saddest lyrics you've ever heard to go with them. Taylor. (laughs) I'm just saying, if it was like Out of the Woods, then 
there's a good chance that he was just like, hey, do you want to use this? And she's like, let's get depressing. And on top let's of that, it's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> and on top of that, if this was written, and we know this was written right after she found out that Lover mm-hmm. Confessed was indefinitely canceled or postponed at least, this might have like kicked up her writing of this style and mm-hmm. helped build out folklore. So right. she was feeling a lot of things and a lot of sadness as we all were at that time. And oh, yeah she was able to turn the feeling that she was having into this wonderful piece of art that ended up in what I think, I don't know. Do we know the writing order of folklore? I'm not sure she's ever said the writing Um, order. I don't know it off the top of my head. Yeah. That feeling of like, you know, everybody laughing at her. Mm -hmm. And even though no, in 2020, no one had any, like everyone was worried about their own shit in 2020 because we had to be, but Mm -hmm. she still felt like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing for me. Yeah, especially if before Lover even came out, she thought Lover was going to be her last shot. So Lover Fest was going to be her last shot, and that got stripped away. So She must have been so nervous to put folklore out. Yeah, she must have been. Yes, I agree. So she continues on with the bridge still. I'm a believer, but I don't know why. I've never been a natural. All I do is try, try, try. I'm still on that trapeze. I'm still trying everything to keep you looking at me. It's hard for me to imagine that she is trying as hard as she is when she makes it look so effortless. I know. I feel like she's one of the most humble, down-to-earth, modest celebrities that I've seen. No matter how many awards she wins, she acts genuinely surprised that she was even considered. Which a lot of people think is fake and think that she's BSing it about the way that she's acting on stage. And when you listen to these songs, it's hard to not fully believe it. She doesn't think she deserves any of this. And there's moments when she does, when she says stuff like, oh, am I being loud in my house that I bought with my money from the music that I wrote? Sorry, was I loud in my own house that I bought with the songs that I wrote? about my own life like there are moments when she's proud and then there's other moments which she confesses in her songs where she's like I don't deserve any of this and you see it through her entire career like this is 2020 folklore and I feel like that point mirrors long live from 2010 but if god forbid fate should step in and force us into Like, she still can't believe this is happening to her. I don't love when I see celebrities who are obviously talented struggle to understand why they got as lucky as they did because they're still people. And, you know, if they worked hard Mm -hmm. and they're good at it, whatever, they deserve whatever accolades that they get with that, whatever fame, whatever money, whatever, I get it. In some ways, it's nicer to have a celebrity that's like, how did I get here? I feel so lucky than one who's like, yeah, I know I'm the shit. Yeah. And then she ends the song with, because I'm a mirror ball. I'm a mirror ball. I'll show you every version of yourself tonight. So it kind of drags it back to the beginning. I love it when she does that with her songs. The first line is the last line. It's a good one. Wait, okay. So I wanted to ask you about the line in the bridge. I'm still a believer and I don't know why. What do you think that she's talking about when she says believer there? I mean, it's the only line where I'm like, not entirely certain because it could be a lot I'm of things still it could be, a believer but i don't know why is she a believer in herself is she a be- like is are she vaguely alluding to religion because she grew up pretty christian uh, i don't know i like the believe in herself route because 
I'm still a believer, but I don't know why. I've never been a natural. Probably more accurate if you. Yeah, yeah you're right. Okay. I like that. Well, that's the song, and it's a beautiful song. And mm-hmm. I really do wonder if this song is what inspired the rest of folklore indirectly. Yeah, same. I never really thought about it. I mean, when I discovered that it was written right after Loverfest was canceled, I guess I never really thought about when she really started the process of writing folklore during quarantine. Because I think it was like a couple months into quarantine that Loverfest was canceled. I don't know if it inspired it, but something that makes Taylor Swift's music so special is that it brings out humanity in all of us. Mm -hmm. If you're listening, if you're paying attention, the songs are relatable. Even if there's like certain songs that have specific meanings that you can't necessarily relate to, like All Too Well has detailed imagery. I don't know. I think I've only ever danced in refrigerator light like one time. Um, But you can relate to you call me up again to break me like a promise. So casually cruel in the name of being honest. Like there's relatability in the songs that she writes. A song like this allows us to both celebrate our humanity and lament over it. Yes. It's genius. It's beautiful. And it's the human condition. And it's so devastating that you hear Mm -hmm. these songs and you're like, oh, that must just be like unique to somebody who's famous. But it's not unique to somebody who's famous. Yeah, no. We all you can apply switch. it to every facet of your life. I mean, like she was saying, everyone has different versions of themselves for the different people in their life. And her rhetorical question remains, what does that do to us? What does that do to us? I wonder if there was a time before social media or before, you know, massive friend groups that could transcend states like you and I do, where mm-hmm. you didn't have to be a different version of yourself depending on who you were around. I don't know if that existed. I but bet I, you it didn't. I don't know if that ever existed. People have always acted different around who they're around because that's normal. Again, the human condition. It would almost be problematic yeah. if we didn't act a little bit different. I act different with you than I do with my sister than I do my boss. <laughs> like, Yeah, because I feel like too, it's not a bad thing. I, I feel like a lot of people assume that acting different around different people is a bad thing, but I don't truly believe it is. I think different friends bring out and accentuate different sides of you and different sides of you doesn't mean you're faking when you're playing on those different sides of you. Isn't it crazy to think like the idea you bring out the thing you, you bring out the things in the people that you're around. Right. And that's yeah. true whether you're Taylor Swift or whether you're me or whether you're you, you show somebody when you're that close to them, assuming the song is like her singing directly to Joe, when you're that close to somebody, you reflect them and you show them everything mm-hmm. about them. And that's so scary. Being that yeah. close to somebody, yeah, you bring out their everything, their their love, their hate, their anger, their kindness. It's crazy. Their fears. <laughs> their fears. Humans are so crazy yes. that we have this kind of impact on one another. Exactly. Well, that's kind of the breakdown of Mirrorball, I think. Unless we have anything yeah. else to add. It's a very beautiful song. Mm-hmm. And her voice in it is very relaxed and like kind of cool and calm. It's one of those songs that if you're passively listening, you're not going to catch it. So when you do listen and you're ready to break it down with us like we did, you have to be really paying attention to the lyrics for it. 
But when you do so, let us know what you think. Let us know if you agree or disagree with our thoughts on the matter. Yeah, you can always comment or DM um, our Instagram at Podcast. You can shoot us an email, taylearningpodcast at gmail.com. If you're listening and you were at Taylor Fest in Kansas City this past week <laughs> and you met me, thanks for saying hi. And I had a great time. I hope you did too. And I hope that you are enjoying the pod. What are we talking about next week, Olivia? Next week, we're going to do a bit of a dive into the Katy Perry feud. I figured it would be fun because I personally don't know a ton about it. So I'm excited to do some research. I am too. Thank you for bearing with us while we had our little hiatus for a couple of weeks, taking a quick break, but we are back and so ready to continue yes. learning, which does remind <laughs> me, what did you learn this week, what Olivia? I learn. Damn, you think I'd always have these prepared. I learned what reveler means <laughs> and what duplicitous means because I did not know that word either. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> Fair enough. What um, did you learn, Danny? I I learned that she wrote this right after Loverfest had been indefinitely postponed, canceled, whatever you want to call it. So yeah. I didn't know that that was what inspired this song to get written. So I, I'm sad about COVID. Let's be clear. I'm going to preface this with COVID is a bad yes. thing. Pandemic is bad. bad. If there were a silver lining or copper or manganese lining of any kind, this album exists. Exactly. And so, <laughs> be so, does, so does Evermore. I'm not going to do Evermore erasure on this podcast. We love her too, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, this, this is not Evermore's day. <laughs> with that, I'm Olivia. And I'm Danny. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Yeah.